Well, good morning, Judson family. It's great to be with you here this morning. So this is not a rhetorical question. I really do want to know, by show of hands, how many people were here last week for Easter? So good. We've got a majority of you. Uh, hopefully you were listening closely. Uh, Pastor Jeff uh, went through Luke uh, 22 and 23, and we're going to kind of continue with that into Luke 24 today and look at a section of that. And then next week, he'll be able to hop back in to look at Luke chapter 5. And I was talking to Jeff about this uh, last night just as we were uh, discussing a little bit. And uh, he's uh, told me that you guys are kind of walking through Luke, kind of verse by verse, chapter, uh, chapter by chapter. And I just want to commend you for that. Um, it, it is something that, uh, that not a lot of uh, churches do. And I know there's lots of different ways that you can walk through scripture and do different preaching series. And I, I think that there's just, yeah, lots of different ways. One of the advantages of going through a book of the Bible like this is that you not only learn the Bible, uh, but uh, you learn how to read the Bible and interpret it and apply it. And so I, I just want to thank you for that. I want to commend you for that as a church. And it's probably exciting where you're at in, in you know, uh, first couple chapters. Then you might in the middle go, oh my goodness, can't we do something else? I'm sick of going through the gospel of Luke. But I want to encourage you to persevere. And I know that God will bless you for that. Well, one of the things I love about what we're going to look at today, this passage in uh, Luke chapter 24 is that on uh, one side of the spectrum, there are some very easy observations, some things that we can draw from it and are easy to understand and apply to our lives. But there's also some things that we're going to read today that are completely mysterious, that I can't even explain them, can't explain them in the physical sense. And uh, so I, I just love that we're going to be able to do that together here this morning. Let's do this. Let's bow our heads. Uh, let's pray, and then we're going to dig in uh, together this morning. Heavenly Father, we do just praise you and thank you again so much just for who you are, that we've had an opportunity to give you thanks and honor and glory. Thank you that you are not a distant God, but that you're a God that has chosen to reveal yourself to us, revealed yourself to us through your son, you've revealed yourself to us through your holy word, and we just ask that your Holy Spirit would be active and present, not only in the preaching, but also the listening and applying of your word. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray, amen. All right, so if you want to open your Bibles up to Luke 24, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, verses 13 through 35. So I know it's a little bit longer of a section, but what we're going to do is we're going to break it up into four different chunks. And uh, we'll read a chunk, we'll kind of make an observation and then some application uh, from it, and then uh, continue to move on. So we're going to start by just reading the first three verses. Uh, I believe it will be projected on the screen as well, too. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Okay, you can just kind of um, pause right there and uh, 
Just to give a little bit of, of context, uh, this is uh, happening on the day of the resurrection. So this is really following up to what, we, uh, what you uh, studied last week. And uh, of course, this is happening kind of in between Jerusalem and this city that's named Emmaus. Now, during this time, scholars don't have a real concrete answer about how big Jerusalem was. They're kind of all over the map of, you know, oh, I think it was this, the population was this amount. I think the population was that amount. But here's all you need to know is, you know, it's, it's the large city. So if you want to kind of paint a picture in your mind, let's just imagine it's Nashville, okay? And uh, the, the two that are described here are walking to Emmaus, seven miles away. So we'll call it a suburb or a little village. And what's more important and what you know, you've been looking at these last number of weeks is that this was happening during the Passover, the most important Jewish festival. And so because of that, this city was, you know, doubled or even tripled in size because people were coming from all over. They were coming from the nearby suburbs, but people would make a trek for hundreds of even thousands of miles to be able to be in Jerusalem because that's where the temple was and to be able to celebrate the Passover there. And as I mentioned, this was a, um, you know, this is happening after uh, the resurrection of Jesus, though uh, these two here are not completely clued into that yet, which we're going to figure out. Here's, here's though, the observation just from these uh, first three verses uh, that I want you to write down. And that is this, is that Jesus didn't give a rip about the influencers, Okay, now I'm going I'm to need to explain this a little bit. Um, Jesus didn't give a rip about the influencers. Okay, we live in, in a day and an age of influencers. I'm not sure if you're even kind of familiar with that term, and some of you may or may not be. Uh, some of you may or may not be involved uh, on, on social media, but I want to explain a little bit because it even kind of ties into our passage. Okay, an influencer is someone who has all sorts of followers on their social media, and so everything that they do and say and wear and buy and eat um, has influence on other people. Okay, so they'll take a picture of them, you know, the restaurant that they ate at, the country that they vacationed in. Um, they'll, whatever they say about political leaders, they have influence because they have all of these people who are following them and watching their every move. Uh, the female on Instagram with the largest amount of followers is 381 million. Think of that for a moment. Something that she says or does, her name's Selena Gomez. She'll, she'll, you know, she, she's this, uh, you know, she's an actor, act, she's an actress and, and, a, and a singer. So she does this, she has, she has influence. But there's tons of people like her that have this influence. And, and we live in this day and in this age. And likewise, during Jesus' time, there were also influencers. I know there was not social media, but you learned about them last week as Pastor Jeff was talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There was Pontius Pilate, so you have the, the, the Roman government. Here's why I think that even within the three verses, this is kind of why I say Jesus didn't give a rip about the influencers. When I read scripture, one of the things that I love to do is to kind of imagine that I'm there kind of immerse myself kind of into the pa passage. What are the surroundings? What does it look like? What's the city look like? What's the feel? Then I like to think of the different conversations and 
how would I respond to the different things that were going on? How would I respond to the different conversations? So as I'm reading this passage, I like to imagine myself as Jesus. My wife says, Danny, you don't make a good Jesus. Okay, so stop, but just hear me out here for a second. Okay, if I were Jesus, remember what just happened throughout this week. The Pharisees, the influencers, the Sadducees, the government officials, the soldiers, what were they doing? First of all, they were brutally, even physically harming Jesus, right? He was whipped, he was beaten, he was crucified. But on top of that, they were mocking him. Remember that? You remember even some of the things that they were saying, the soldiers like, if you're really the son of God, get down off that cross, or, you know, you're the king of the Jews, so we're going to make this crown and we're going we're to put it on your head. Now, all these different things saying, you're, you are not the Messiah. You know you cannot uh, rise from the dead. And so if I were Jesus, if I rose on that third day, you want to know who the first person I would go back to? I'd be going to the Pharisees and Sadducees and saying, booyah, told you so, I'm right, you're wrong, but Jesus doesn't do that. Isn't that interesting? So maybe I should change it just a little bit this way, is that Jesus didn't go to the influencers, but instead Jesus went to the ordinary people. He really went to the nobodies. See, because Jesus doesn't care about status. He he had a very clear call. He said, I came to seek and to save the lost. And really the lost is everyone. So yes, he actually does care about the influencers. He cares about the Pharisees and he cares about the Sadducees. But he didn't care about status. That wasn't his driving point. As he was even showing himself in the resurrected form, he goes to these two that we know almost nothing about. Here's why I think that this is important and just maybe even a small application point for some of you that are here today or joining us online. I have to imagine that in a room this large that there's got to be someone at some point and maybe even in your life now where you go, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm a nobody. I'm not like all of the people that I see on social media or I just, you know, I, I, I don't have a good job title, don't have a nice house, don't have a car, don't have retirement. I'm just, I'm just a nobody. Here, here's the thing is that oftentimes that bleeds into our relationship with God or our non-relationship with God. Why, why would God care about me? Why would Jesus care about me? Well, maybe, maybe today that's the only thing that you needed to hear, that it's just even just your first step and to understand that Jesus cares about you. Jesus doesn't care about your status. He cares about you. Let's continue to read on because this starts to get uh, really good. So th- these two are walking along. They're going from Jerusalem. You know, they're, they're walking to Emmaus. Um, Jesus, it says, shows up next to them. Verse 16 <clears throat> But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them, uh, named Cleopas, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened 
here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one that would redeem Israel. Okay, we'll start out. You can just write the observation down right away this time. They were blinded of Jesus and the work of God. They were blinded of Jesus and the work of God. You remember that I kind of started out saying, hey, this passage, I love it because there's so many things that are easy to understand, easy to apply. Got some good theology that we're gonna learn from this text. Um, But there's some things that are kind of mysterious and kind of unexplainable. Verse 16 is one of those. So, so they're walking along. Jesus joins them, and it says they do not recognize Jesus. Now, you could maybe mistakenly think, oh, this was, you know, like a case of mistaken identity. Like maybe, you know, Jesus had a scarf on, and he was kind of like hiding himself. Uh, but as we read through the passage, and there's some other times in Scripture where you really have uh, uh, God kind of spiritually blinding, not allowing them to know and to recognize that it was Jesus who was walking with them. Now, the great thing about it is that we become benefactors of this, right? Because now that this is in scripture, we have this conversation that happens between Jesus and these two that are walking, Cleopas and we don't know, it's maybe one of his friends, it could even be his wife. We know very little about them. And Jesus asks them a question. Jesus knows the answer, right? We've been down this path before where Jesus asks them questions. He knows the answers, but then because of this, we become the benefactors of it. So they're blinded that it's Jesus, but there's kind of a second blinding here. And that is, is that they did not understand the work of God. And we get this through the conversation. Because they start to say, well, here is, is who we think Jesus is, and here's kind of the expectation that we had of this Jesus guy and this Messiah. Now, what we don't know, we don't know how long-standing their relationship was. We don't know if they had just got to know Jesus over this last week in Jerusalem and heard him. You know, we don't know how, how close relationally. Maybe they had met Jesus years ago as Jesus was traveling around the region, they know a good amount of information. So it's probably a little bit more than just knowing him the, the last week. Um, but here's, here's what I love is that they start to make some statements about who Jesus is and the statements are all true. However, however, and this is a big however, They're half-truths. They're not the full story. Okay, let's let's walk through these. And and again, I I don't want to keep just referencing back to last week. But honestly, if, if you were here last week, Pastor Jeff drew some of these out, and we see it here again in this passage. And so it's so important. Number one, it says, oh, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man. Okay, so let's even just stop there. They make a statement about who Jesus is. He is a man. That is a true statement. That's what we celebrate during Christmas, right? 
Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh. Jesus is a man. But that's only part of the truth. Jesus is fully human, but Jesus is also fully divine. Jesus is fully God. And so these two who it says that they're walking along this path and they're discussing and the Greek word there actually means that they were debating. They were, you can tell that they're wrestling. It says that they were sad. They're distraught. Okay, they're trying to make sense of everything that just happened in this last week with the, with the crucifixion of Jesus. And so they're, they're recounting back. They're like, oh yeah, Jesus, he was this man. Okay, true, but not all of the story who was a prophet mighty indeed, right? Jesus was a prophet and he had powers. He, he did miracles, he fed people, he healed them of their diseases. And so they were absolutely right. He had this amazing power. However, he didn't come just as a healer. He didn't come just as a teacher. That's the other thing that he, you know, was um, power in word, right? He could speak the word of God and make sense of things, but he wasn't just a good preacher, a good teacher, and a miracle worker, and a healer. Jesus made a claim that he was God and that he had the right, the authority, and the power to forgive sins. He came as the actual savior. And, and maybe, my, maybe my favorite part is verse 21. They say, and we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And Jesus did come as the redeemer. Jesus absolutely came as the redeemer. Now I have to imagine here that Cleopas and uh, Cleopas's friend here uh, were wearing mega hats, red mega hats. Make Israel great again. Okay, t- too soon, too soon. I'm sorry. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. But but I want you to think of this for a moment because this is exactly what's going on here. They had an expectation that Jesus was going to come and to redeem the people of Israel politically because of the Roman government who was always oppressing them. And they're like, wait, we're hoping that this Messiah is gonna come and they're gonna give us our freedom. We can worship how we want. We can make our own laws and our own rules. We can have our own economy, our own you know, money system, all of these things. And that's what we were hoping that this Jesus person was gonna do, but now he's dead. And so our expectation has been shattered. Okay, now that's just an observation. These were two people who had a lot of things that were correct about Jesus, but they were only, it was only partial truth. They had missed the important things in that Jesus was the savior of the world, that he was king and Lord. And so maybe even in here today, there's some of you that have some things that are true about Jesus but maybe you're missing some of those, just those final elements to say, oh, you know what? Jesus is a good teacher. He, you know, he was a miracle worker. Those things are true. But is he the savior of the world? So let's uh, continue on because we'll see how they continue to kind of expound upon this. And they say, Yes, and besides all of this, this is verse 21. Yes, and besides all of this, it's now the third day since these things 
happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb in the, uh, early this morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning from Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them all of the scriptures of the things concerning himself. Observation number three is that hope and faith hinge on the resurrection. Hope and faith hinge on the resurrection. So this is where the conversation shifts, okay? Remember what they're saying? They're sad, they're distraught, they're trying to make sense. Who is this Jesus person? Um, we, we can't kind of figure it out. And then they're like, oh, and also one other thing, one other interesting element they're telling Jesus. Um, the, the tomb was empty this morning. Now, I like this because oftentimes as Christians, uh, when we talk about you know, like celebrating Easter and Easter week, we, we often say like, we celebrate the empty tomb. I've said that before as a pastor, you've probably said it. Um, but the empty tomb is, is really only part of it. And it could maybe even leave you um, wondering. And this is exactly what happened back then is that rumors started to go out to explain the empty tomb. And there are some you know, like maybe uh, explanations for the empty tomb. Some of the theories that were kind of put out, some people said, well, maybe Jesus didn't actually die. Maybe he was crucified on the cross and then, you know, he was put into the tomb and the rock was so cold that they laid him on that it kind of like helped kind of revive his, his body. That was one of the rumors that was going out. Now, now mind you, Jesus is walking seven miles Okay, I don't know about you, but like if I just like stub my toe, I like can barely make it. Okay, he had, you know, he was pierced in his hands and his whole body and beaten over day. So we, we can just throw that one out. Another one of the rumors that was started um, was that Jesus' body was stolen. That's actually not, not too bad of a theory. I won't go into all of it, um, but it's actually pretty unlikely uh, especially if you know the weight of these stones that actually covered it. But more importantly than that, Roman guards, soldiers that would be set out front, if they were to allow the body to be stolen, they themselves would have been killed for that. So that theory doesn't um, you know, uh, hold up as well. But again, these guys are trying to make sense of it. You know, People are starting some of these different rumors uh, that, you know, that, are, that are going on. And so what Jesus does here, I love this, is it says that he goes to the scripture and begins to explain this is what has been the plan from the very beginning. Now, if you've spent some time, you know, kind of studying the Bible, you've been, you know, you've taken Bible classes and stuff, you'll know that the Old Testament 
uh, is referred to as the Tanakh. Have you heard that term uh, before? Even if you go to a Jewish synagogue, uh, you would um, maybe hear them uh, refer to the Old Testament as the Tanakh. Uh, I want to explain to you uh, what, what the Tanakh means. It's actually just three Hebrew letters, T, N, and K. The T stands for Torah, which is the law. That's the first five books of the Bible and often referred to as, you know, um, you know, the book of the law, the book of Moses, you know, so you have the T as that. Uh, N is Ne'evim, which is for the prophets, and Ketuvim for the K, which is the writings. That's like Psalms, uh, Proverbs, and um, Lamentations, all of the different writings. So T, N, and K, you have your three there. The reason why this is important is essentially what Jesus does with these two is he walks through from Genesis all the way through the prophets and the writings pointing out saying, did you not see and understand this has been the very plan from the beginning? And I love this. Because if this didn't happen, you, you, know, you, you basically have like, well, was Jesus kind of like this plan B? Was it just kind of a good story to make people feel better? But no, not at all. Instead, what Jesus does is he says, this has been God's plan from the very beginning. All of this stuff needed to happen. And especially the resurrection. Not just an empty tomb, but know here that Jesus showed himself physically. This is what the Apostle Paul says, and I love this. He says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. I mean, are you capturing what the Apostle Paul is saying? He, he's saying more than anything, the physical resurrection of Jesus is the most important thing. See, there can be things in Christianity that you, know, you maybe debate about and maybe one church or group believes this, another group, or church believes that, 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 that's fine. But not with the resurrection. If, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, well then, it was just kind of a sad story. Oh, a good man, good preacher, did a lot of good things. He died. That's kind of a sad story. But if Jesus did raise from the dead, that means then that everything that he said is true and everything that was said about him in the Old Testament scriptures is also true. And that's what Jesus says in this conversation. And this is what Jesus proves by showing himself physically to them. So let's look at our last uh, uh, section uh, that we have here. Verse 28, so they drew near to the village to which they were going. He, Jesus, acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table, he took the bread 
He blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the 11 and those who were gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and he appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them at the breaking of bread. So again, I love this. Jesus kind of, you know, playing with them a little bit. Like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep on going. I'm gonna keep on walking. They had reached their destination. They're like, no, 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 stay with us. I mean, they just loved all of the things that they were learning from Jesus. Like, please, please. Essentially begging him, stay with us. So Jesus does, and they sit down for dinner. And uh, you kind of, in you know, your minds, you can imagine that this is resembling the Last Supper, and then when Jesus breaks the bread, that all of a sudden they recognize who he is. So again, this is another one of those mysterious things. God lifts the veil, they're, be, they're able to understand, and then, and then Jesus vanishes. Again, I, I don't know if this is like, you know, like the Matrix or something, and like, you know, Jesus like, you know, pixelates away. I, I don't know that part of it, okay? But here, this is what they say. He said, did not our hearts burn within us? So they recognize they're so excited and now all of the dots are coming together. All the things that they didn't understand about Jesus, now they understand because Jesus shared and explained from scripture about himself. And so what do they do? They're so excited they go running back to Jerusalem because they need to tell the other disciples about their news. Now, I don't know about you, but after I'm done with seven miles, that, that's it. That's like my max, okay? And maybe it was for them too, but they were so excited. They run back to Jerusalem and they're about to, you know, like barge in, like we have some amazing news. But guess what? The disciples were already talking because Jesus had shown himself to Simon Peter, had shown himself to Peter. And we learn in scripture that Jesus showed himself in the resurrected form, the physical form to over 500 people, right? Physical form. He was eating. He asked them, he says, you know, you can, you can touch my hands. And, and he, had, he had beaten death. So our last observation here is that Jesus is revealed he is the resurrection and the life right jesus is the resurrection and the life so all of those all of those people then who who are wondering and, and were having hope in who jesus was finally finally had that ability to say you know what everything that jesus said about himself is true and that's what jesus said he said i am the resurrection and the life so in a moment here, I'm going to uh, uh, close. And I, I know that for a majority of you, you, you know this. You, you, you know this story. You know the history of Jesus. You know the crucifixion. You know the resurrection. But there may be some of you in here today that like these two had a misunderstanding of who Jesus is and why he came, why he died, and why he had to uh, rise again. And if you've never said yes to Jesus before and placed your faith in him, I want to give you this opportunity when I pray to make the most important decision of your life. 
And that's to place your faith in Jesus. So let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we do just praise you and thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, God, that you are a God that did not leave us in our sin, but that you are a God that sent Jesus to redeem us. And I know, Lord, that all of us probably have misunderstandings and misconceptions of who who you are, and we hear so many different things from this world about who you are. But I pray that, like our passage was today, that where Jesus pointed and about himself in the scriptures, that the scripture would be our ultimate source for knowing and understanding you. And I pray that if there's anyone in this room that has never said yes to you and placed their faith in you, or maybe even someone that's watching online right now, that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would convict them of their sin that they would have an understanding that they are a sinner that is separated from you for eternity and yet that you don't want it to stay that way and that's exactly why you sent Jesus to live this perfect life to die a brutal death on the cross in our place to raise on the third day to prove that he was God that he had the ability to forgive sins And that they would just say, yes, God, I believe in you. I place my faith in you. Make me a new person. Create in me a clean heart. And God, that you would seal them until the day of redemption. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.